welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I'm absolutely delighted to have as my guest this week, Marissa Peer. Marissa is a world-renowned speaker, founder and trainer of Rapid Transformational Therapy, and a best-selling author. She has nearly three decades of experience as a therapist and has been named Britain's Best Therapist by Men's Health Magazine and featured in the Tatler's Guide to Britain's Best 250 Doctors. Marissa uses her experience of treating clients, including rock stars, CEOs, elite Olympic athletes, royalty, and Oscar-winning actors, to inform her life-changing speeches and lectures. She's been voted best speaker at numerous conferences, including the Mastermind Group, AFEST, and the Royal Society of Medicine. In 2015, Marissa launched her therapy school, teaching her unique method for the first time to audiences in London, Canada, the US and Australia. And that's where I had the pleasure of meeting Marissa and be personally trained by her as one of the first cohorts of those students. So thank you, Marissa, for taking the time to come and join me today. It's a pleasure to have you. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. So Marissa, one of the many things I absolutely love about your approach is that you learn from your clients. In fact, I remember a story that um, you actually started to notice people's behavior in an aerobic studio many years ago and trying to discover the reasons for that behavior was what got you being into being a therapist in the first place. Can you tell us a little bit about those early days and that journey? Yeah, I always wanted to be a child psychologist, but I actually didn't. I sort of stopped pursuing that and ended up by a complete fluke working for Jane Fonda in Robertson Boulevard in LA, which was great fun. I loved it. But having a psychology background, I was intrigued by so many women who had anorexia or bulimia or body dysmorphia, and we're all trying to change the behavior, you know, working out all the time, dieting all the time. And even then I remember thinking, this this isn't working, you know, diet, this is all emotion, or everything that's making them overeat and hate themselves is coming from their thinking, and diets don't change the thinking. That began my journey to look at thoughts, what I call looping thoughts. We think of thought, the thought kind of influences the action, and the action reinforces the thought, and we go round and round in circles because changing behaviors never works until you identify the thought that's running the behavior and then start to change that. So that's where I learned that. And what was it that made you choose um, hypnotherapy as a modality? It's not the first thing that would spring to mind. It was a bit of a fluke, actually. I, I just happened to meet Gilboy, and somebody told me he was the best hypnotist ever. And I was trying to find him, and I had a great difficulty finding him, and I did find him. And I said, oh, I want to train him. He's only do training once a year, and it happens to be next week, which I thought was a bit of a coincidence. And so I drove down to meet him that day, and I signed up for the last place. And I turned up on the morning and said, well, I don't really like it. So that I haven't paid for it. But by halfway through, by midday, I was absolutely hooked and just loved it. He was a very innovative, thinking outside the box therapist, just like I am. And he had a very, very bit different take on therapy, just like I do. So we were a very good fit for each other. Great. So we all know that the biology of the brain is extraordinarily complex. I mean, neuroscientists are still trying to figure out how our brain works, and it's going to be a while yet before they actually really understand what's going on, although we're getting clues all the time. However, you're of the opinion and I agree with you that the mind, which is the brain in action, is actually not so complex and follows some relatively simple rules. Can you describe those so that people yeah, the mind can actually is not take complicated. them on? 
The mind is not complicated at all. I mean, that's the problem. So many therapists believe that behaviors are complicated and thus the treatment must also be complicated. So when a client comes in with anorexia or bulimia or bipolar depression, the therapist thinks this is such a complicated case. And so the, the, the therapy is complicated. And that simply isn't true. I work with the most complex issues and find them very straightforward to teach because I have my own philosophy that you need to know really three things about the mind. And the first is the most important in that your mind always does what it truly thinks is in your very, very best interest. So many of our behaviors that we don't want, not be able to speak to a crowd or chair a meeting or ask for a raise or talk to a person we like or even ask for love or affection are wired into this old belief that when we were a kid, our parents said, stop drawing attention to yourself. No one's looking at you. Who do you think you are? And we learn very quickly, oh, if I try to get attention, I get punished. I, I read in class and everyone laughed at me and then I picked up a belief that I should never draw attention to myself. Uh, just silly issues like mother crying and going, oh, relationships cause you so much pain or periods or agony. We tend to learn what we live. And so once we form these beliefs, they become the blueprint that our mind does everything at its disposal to make happen. And so your mind is always doing what it thinks you want. And if there are any behaviors you have, like procrastination or being critical about yourself, you can absolutely bet that your mind truly believes that you want that, that somehow that behavior serves you and it has something useful to offer you, which we know isn't true, but the mind is a feeling mind. And so a kid of eight who watches someone giving birth and screams their head off and dies in a Western forms a belief, oh my God, birth can kill you. I never want to go through that. And that's what will lead into unexplained infertility. It sounds almost too pat. But the mind is always looking for what causes us pain and then trying to get us to avoid that pain for the rest of our lives because that's how we survived on the planet. And you can ask anyone in the audience, what is the food you just cannot eat no matter what? You go, oh, Brussels sprouts, liver, uncooked eggs, semolina, why is that? Well, I was made to eat that at school 50 years ago. To this day, I can't even look at it. And that's the mind in action. You know, if you're teacher was a complete bitch and her name was Hillary. You'll hate that name for the rest of your life because we link pain to events and our mind's job is to get us away from the pain, even if the pain was 40 years ago and it's no longer painful. So that's the most complex thing about the mind. The second, which is much more straightforward, is that it only responds to the pictures and words in our head. I mean, you could look at a burger you're not going to respond to the burger because if you're a Hindu or a vegan or a bodybuilder, you'll have a totally different reaction to what the burger is. It's the same thing with a needle. You, the picture you make in your head about what the needle is, is it pain? Is it pleasure? Is it going to give you something or take away your pain? It's going to hurt. Is how you react to it. And that's actually very good news because we get to choose the pictures we put in our head. You know, you can get on a plane and go, I'm going to die, it's going to drop out of the sky. Or you can go, this is great, I'm going to watch two movies and have a little nap and end up in Sicily, yay. And the third thing about the mind, and it's the thing that therapists find the most vexing, is that your mind really does prefer what is familiar. And if it could, it would just stay with what's familiar for the rest of your life because years ago, Avoiding the unfamiliar and sticking with the familiar made us very, very safe. And our mind 
really has changed such a tiny amount since then. So we all have these behaviors, thoughts, feelings, beliefs. They're really left over from our childhood and we just don't know how to get rid of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's extraordinary how how um, impressionable our minds are. Um, uh, the smallest thing can actually just actually affect the way that you think about the world for such a long time after. Absolutely, um, and that's why I invented our TT Rapid Transformational Therapy because I was so keen to stop that, to change that, to make that completely different. I've been doing it ever since. Next question is about I am enough. Now, this is your absolute mantra. I have it all over my computer screens, my mirrors. I tell all of my clients to do the same thing. Um, first of all, I'd really like to know what that actually means for you and where, where you came upon that as a concept. And also, I'd like you to, to talk just a little bit about um, the fact that it's not the same thing as just an affirmation, because I find that a lot of clients, if they have affirmations, like if they were to say I'm enough to themselves every day, they don't actually really believe it. And they have like a conflict going on inside. Is it just the longevity of constantly seeing this all the time? Or is it important to actually start summing? Well, I I don't like affirmations. I don't even use the word affirmations because I find affirmations. It's like if you affirm every day, I'm thin, I'm thin, I'm thin, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, and you're not... That doesn't mean you'll become so. If you affirm every day that what life is a journey through a garden and the sun is always shining, well, actually it isn't. So I've never been that fond of affirmations because the mind will object to them. I like statements of truth. And the thing I love about I'm Enough the most is its strength is very much in its absolute simplicity. When you say I am enough over and over again, your mind says, you are, when you go, I'm a goddess, it goes, you're not really a goddess, are you? Because, you know, you live in a tiny apartment and you buy your clothes in a supermarket. So that's not very goddess-like behavior. You can say I'm a rock star, and it goes, but you're not really a rock star because you're driving around in a car that's 10 years old. So we've got to be very careful giving ourselves affirmations that we automatically reject. But when you say, I am enough, over and over again, your mind will never reject that because it's a belief you were born with. It's a belief that's true. And the good thing is that when you repeat something a lot, especially something so simple as I'm enough, your mind will say, look, you say this every day. It must be true. And it will sink in like lotion on dry skin. When you put lotion on your skin, it doesn't go, is it organic? Do I like the smell? Is it good? Is it... um?" Fair trade, it just sinks in and statements through the very much the same. If you use the right ones, they will sink in and they will have the most profound impact on you. We should all be saying I'm enough every day, many, many, many times. Certainly, totally, totally agree with that one. <laughs> um, we at London Hill here, and I personally truly believe that true health is a combination of mind, body and spirit. So from your perspective and all your years of experience, how important is the mind in good mental, physical and emotional well, it's the most important thing of all. It's more important than anything. I mean, you can take all the herbs and supplements and organic salads you like, but if you're an unhappy person living a stressful life, you probably won't do very well. On the other hand, we can look at somebody like Mick Jagger, who 
hasn't lived an organic life and has taken lots of drugs and stayed up late. But because he does what he loves and he's still on stage there in Twickenham just last week at 74, running around the stage doing what he loves, being joyful, that will do more for you. So while I'm a great believer in organic food, good water, good supplements, I also know that the most powerful force to keep you well barn on is the mind. I mean, after all, look at Nelson Mandela. He was in jail for 25 years. I don't think he was getting organic fresh juices and supplements very often. I mean, obviously he never was. And yet he lived a long life. He had a passion, a mission, a desire to do something. Mother Teresa was the same. So getting your mindset right is the most important thing of all being positive, being happy, living in the moment, realizing there is no destination toward happiness. It's the journey you're on right now. It's an inside job. And the more you can have a happy mindset, the better everything else will work. I mean, it's I have friends who are fanatical vegans, but I also know vegans who've aged very badly and are very stressed because being a vegan it's for them very stressful. They can't be around animal products. They won't go to concerts because they don't like the smell of meat. And anything that's causing you stress is to be avoided. So mind, body, spirit, they all count. But the mind is by far the most important one of all. Absolutely. And going on from that, um, we talk about living healthily for longer. So you believe that we have sort of three ages. Can you describe each one of those a little? Well, you have your biological age. Well, sorry, first of all, you have your chronological age or your birth certificate age. And that's the age that you actually are. If you look at your birth certificate, it might say you're 50. And then you would have your biological age. If you were 50 and you ran every day, that means that your lungs and heart would be probably 35. But if you run in the sun, your knees and certainly the skin, if it's not covered, would be 65. So our organs age on their own time. People who are very, very happy and active have organs that are 12 to 15 younger than they, they are. So we have our birth certificate age, which is the age we, the birth certificate says we are, and that's the one you should totally disregard. Then we have the biological age, which is the age of our body, and our body ages on its own timetable, and it's greatly influenced by the third age, which is your psychological age, the age you feel. So when you do giggly, girly things or boy things, when you laugh and giggle and jump and play and have sex and don't take life too seriously and live in the moment, you send a message to your body that says, I'm just a young thing here, just like Mick Jagger. And that message is picked up by all of your organs. And that's a far more important age than the age on your birth certificate. So if you look at someone like Goldie Horn or Sally Field, who were always girly, even Barbara Cartland, they've aged very differently. Someone who's tense and uptight and serious. And it's just the same thing for men. So if you want to be young, have a young mindset, a young attitude, don't refer to your age and never say things like, oh, at my age, or I'm too old for that. Think yourself young because it really works. Absolutely. 
many people sort of like um, get can take on these ideas and, and implement them, but a lot of people um, get stuck. They, they have a problem, they have a, a belief that they can't sort of like get past. And that's a superb point perhaps to consult a therapist and in my opinion, especially RTT. Can you describe a little bit about what's specific and what's special about RTT to help people get past these kind of barriers to, to stop yeah. them living healthily and happily? Well, you see, RTT is not about trying. I mean, it's true that many people take a membership to the gym, get an organic juicer, start off with great intentions, a Nutribullet or juice or do yoga, and then they slip back because of the mind's great need to keep returning to what's familiar, even if that's a bad habit. However, we can make anything familiar and we can make good things familiar and negative things unfamiliar if we know how. And so RTT is based on the most effective way of getting the mind to change, the most effective way of uncovering what I call what lies beneath. Because many clients have a presenting problem. I have panic attacks or I get migraine headaches or I just don't have any confidence. And you'll feel that, that actually is not the problem at all. It's the presenting problem. And RTT is all about looking at what lies beneath. What's really going on here? When did this client get this problem? What was going on in their life? Because no baby is born with the fears that we present as adults. And so the first thing is to look at why. When did this happen? And the second thing is to get rid of it. Now, many therapists look at why. They do talk therapy over years and years to try and pinpoint why their client has issues, maybe depression. And some therapists go straight into the, the fixing it. And they never look at why. They do things like CBT or EFT to try and change the behavior. And I find both of those just not effective enough alone. So what our TT does is it very quickly in the first session will find out exactly how, why, where, and when our patients do what they do. And then we get rid of it. It's a bit like being a detective, looking for clues, gathering information, very effectively, and then like a dentist taking out all the old toxic stuff and making the client much better. So it does the two things in one session. It uses all the rules of the mind to make clients dramatically better. It gives them a recording because we know the mind learns by repetition. And clients do have absolutely stunning turnarounds really quickly. I read this morning a letter from one of my graduates saying that she just treated this man who was suicidally depressed and alcoholic and was stealing from his family and drinking to the point of blackout every day. And after one session with her, about two, he's never drunk again and he's a different person. But she didn't treat the drinking. She she treated what was it about him that made him feel so bad about himself that he wanted to just blot out all the pain because as children, we have unmet needs. And as adults, we have the same belief, nobody can meet my needs, including me. And there's nothing to be done about it. And that simply isn't true. Great. Well, Marissa, I understand that your time is really limited with us. So I'll just finish up with, uh, with three little questions I like to um, ask uh, all my guests. First of all, I really, really want to thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me. You've given us some brilliant tips that I'm sure people can take away and really implement in their own lives. We'll put all the links to your sites and where you can train as an RTT therapist at the end of the podcast. 
And so I'd just like to round up um, by acknowledging your work and thanking you so much for what you've done and that you've given this to a wider audience of people to learn and carry your, your good work on. And I'd like to ask you finally um, how you define health. How do you define that? What, what does that word mean to you? Well, health to me means happiness. You know, if you're healthy and unhappy, I would consider it a waste. So health would be being joyous, getting up every day and saying, I love my life, finding so much pleasure in small things from your first cup of coffee to the smell of your shower gel to even hearing the birds singing. It's it's really to live in the moment and find joy in truly simple things, because when you can do that, then the joy you find in large things is is amazing. But uh, health, to me, having a healthy body really wouldn't matter unless I had a healthy mind as well. And a healthy mind means responsibility. The word means an ability to respond. So we were responsible for our own health. We were responsible for our own happiness. No one else can come along and meet all our needs, we have to do it. And when you learn how to do that, it does make your life quite extraordinary. Great. And that segues very nicely into my next question, which is exactly happiness. So what does Marissa do to find happiness? What makes you happy? Everything. Everything. I mean, I, I, when I wake up, the first thing I say every day is I love my life, and I look at all the reasons why I love it. And I'm, I find happiness in in every little thing that I do. And um, I do have a wonderful life, a charmed life, but I made that happen. So everything makes me happy, being with my friends, being with my husband, being with my daughter. I mean, last on Friday, I was out at dinner and I came home and I sat on the sofa and I put on the bridge and I made some tea. I thought, oh my God, I'm just in heaven because I love, I love that Swedish program, the bridge. <laughs> but I make a point when I'm doing things, like if I'm picking up the Sunday paper, I go, oh my God, this is amazing. So I make a point of saying all the time, this is lovely. Even if I'm in the traffic jam, I'll always be glad I've got a car. And it's just a matter of training your mind to find pleasure. And the more you first, it's what you do, and then it becomes who you are. And then it just becomes so easy, so easy. And we should all do it all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And serenity. I always think serenity is so, so very important. And it's a word that we forget a little bit, that that space that we can find inside of ourselves and turn the noise down. Do you have any specific practices that you follow to do that together, especially as somebody with as busy life as you? How do you find serenity? It's very, very easy to switch off. I, I think a lot of therapists don't. They take their clients' issues home and they find it very stressful. And I remember Picasso saying that, what made him so good is that when he went into a studio, he became Picasso. When he left the studio, he left Picasso behind. Um, I just find it easy to switch off. I mean, it's a, it's a belief. You, you choose to switch off. I, some people say they can't, but, but you can. You Again, and you switch off by being present. So when you're eating, you know, sit and eat. When you're in the shower, I would never have like a mobile phone that you can answer in the shower. I try, when I'm reading, I tend to turn the TV off um, because I want to just be in the moment because that's all you have. And so being serene for me is about living in the moment and enjoying it all the time. 
Wonderful. And my very last question to you, Marissa, is if there was one thing that you could um, give to other people and ask them to change in their lives, to make massive changes in their lives, what would that be? Actually, I would have two. I would say do not let in destructive criticism. And it's very easy to do that. In fact, I have a TED talk called um, How to Collaborate with Yourself, and it teaches you how to not let in destructive criticism. I would definitely say that learning to not criticize yourself or let in the prison of others is life-changing and say I'm enough, write it on your mirror, put it on your screen, save it, type it in so it's a part of your um, password so that you're right to get reading it, thinking it and speaking it every day. And that is life-changing. Wonderful. So, Marissa, we've come to the end. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. Thank you so much, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Bye. So, dear listeners, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. It was a bit shorter. We are very, very honoured that Marissa actually had the time to speak to us at all with her crazy busy schedule. And there were lots of golden nuggets there for you to take away, and I hope that they make as much of a change to your life as they did to mine. If you like what you're listening, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Also check out our Facebook page and like and review that. And of course, if you want to keep ahead of new things that we're going to be bringing in addition to this podcast, um, releasing some extra notes, um, be upfront ahead of the pack on what new episodes are coming out. And also, if you actually want to have some input into where London Heal is going and people that you'd like to speak to, topics you'd like to address, then please go ahead and join us at londonheal.com, become a London Heal Insider, and we'd love to hear all about you. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll be setting up a Facebook group for our community so we can all get together and chat all the more. Loving having you here, and I hope you'll join us again next time for our next episode. And until then, wishing you all health, happiness, and serenity. <laughs>